Hey everybody, welcome to Whiskey Tango Foxtrot this week. I'm your host, Matty Conrad. And this week is going to be a little bit of fun and a little bit different. This is the first time I've ever actually tried to interview two people at the same time. And the reason that I chose these two people to do that with is because I never ever see them apart. And it's kind of part of their appeal. I'm talking about Low Wheeler Davis and Jason Davis. I ran into them when I was in Nashville and I realized that I run into them at almost everything I'm at and I never ever see them apart. And I'm really interested to know what it's like for them to share that kind of intimate relationship and then to work alongside each other almost all the time. I'm sure some of us have probably been tempted to work with our significant other, and some of us have probably been even done it with varying degrees of success. But I think there is a certain secret to the way that these two pull off not just a dynamic relationship, but an extraordinary amount of success and how well they seem to complement each other. I want to know what makes that work. So I'm really excited to talk to them today. I'm excited for you to get to know them. I think there's some really interesting information and some valuable tips and tricks that they probably have to share. And just a little bit of their story as well that I find so engaging. So enjoy the podcast and I'll talk to you again after. You're listening to Whiskey Tango Foxtrot with your host, Maddie Conrad. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in this week for Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. I am your host, Maddie Conrad, and we are currently in the city of Nashville, Tennessee, a place that I have affectionately referred to as my spiritual home because I feel like, man, if I was a city, I would probably be the city of Nashville. I love this place. And we've been here for the BTC on tour, which has been a hell of a lot of fun. And as usual, I'm hanging out with a bunch of my friends that I think are doing fascinating things in the hairdressing industry. And there's this one particular couple that I always see together at a lot of these shows. Like I run into them. I always see them. I love their style. But more importantly, they're these two people that just seem to radiate like an extraordinary amount of positivity and just love. They're like these people you always want to be around. And it drew me in and it made me want to learn more about these people. So I want to introduce you to two of my friends that I'm really excited to talk about today and uh, talk with today. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Low Wheeler Davis and Jason Davis. You guys, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Oh my gosh, thank you. Yeah, what thank an you. intro. Thank you, thank you. This is awesome. Oh man, I'm so excited to talk to you guys. I mean, I know we talk at all the shows, especially Jason and I. Like, we, you and I are always drawn to each other for some... I think it's the hat thing. You and I have like a really similar style in hats and stuff, and we just make sense when you look at the two of us. For sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so anyway, we were talking the other night about uh, salons, we we're talking about business, we we're talking about industry and stuff like that, and I really want to get to know you guys a little bit because I think that you have some incredibly awesome insights to share for a lot of the listeners and the people that are uh, at home maybe struggling in uh, you know the earlier states of their career or just wh where to go next you know there's a lot of things there um, for those of you that are listening at home you're going to hear some street noise you're going to hear some music in the background we're currently sitting at the Bobby Hotel outside on the patio here right in downtown Nashville it's a kind of a cool hotel don't you think oh my gosh it's gorgeous and it's so fun because at these shows we all land in the same hotel so it's just like Melrose Place or friends <laughs> like we're all together and there's like no privacy but I'm really okay with it and it's just so fun right yeah and there's a lobby dog here so I've never been to a hotel that there's actually a lobby dog it was my favorite part of the yeah. hotel <laughs> are you like me like when, when you're on the road like I miss my dog so much and as soon as I see a stranger's dog I like accidentally like attack it you know with my, with love I'm just like oh my god come here oh yeah we make people uncomfortable with going up to their dogs <laughs> We start talking in our dog voice, which is a really, really freakish to people. <laughs> I just like just slide like, right into like, ew, hi. And, it's know, like how people talk to babies. Yes. It's, I just go right into the dog accent and it's just like a whole thing. 
Oh man, so funny. Okay, so now I've I've been seeing you guys at shows for years now. Like we've been crossing over uh, a ton at, at lots of big shows and stuff. And uh, and so I want to get to know a little bit more about your your guys' background, like how you got into all this kind of stuff. You know, because I realize that you're a, a little bit of an enigma to me. And so I, I'd really like to know a little bit. Like first of all, I always see you two together. Like always, I, I almost never see you guys apart, which I think is awesome. I love that. But um, where did this thing start? Where did the two of you start? We were childhood um, acquaintances, and then we reconnected in our 20s, became best friends. I friend-zoned him super hard. Oh, Big time. Oh, yeah. yeah that, that's a tough one to get out of. Oh, yeah. No, I... People are always like, how did you get out of that? Like, I'm like, I need to write a book or teach a course on how to get out of the friend zone. This could be an entire different podcast oh, of its own, sure. how to exit the friend yeah. zone by Jason <laughs> Davis. Well, okay, now let's, you guys, you, where did you grow up? So we both grew up in um, suburbs of L.A., so little college towns, La Mirada and Hacienda Heights. So you're California kids. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, for sure. And it's just so funny because... Again, we were like super close friends in our like 20s and when we decided to like take it to the next and like get married after like a short relationship because we were so close, um, he had this like whole background in construction and as soon as like things started picking up with like hair for me in the social media realm, like we decided to just go for it, open up a salon, show up to every show that there possibly ever was every class every networking market uh networking opportunity and he started to really really invest in the idea of just doing this with me and just Which showing is, up i think amazing because i mean i remember for the first like the longest time i would always see jason at hair shows and i'd be like oh man i like that guy's style I wonder who he works for. And then like, I would just assume I'd be seeing him on stage doing hair somewhere. And I never did. I was like, where's, who does this guy work for? Like, I know low, but like, who, who is this guy <laughs> eventually? But then I realized, yeah, I learned, I learned all about that. And I think it's, it's really cool for you to step up and support your wife in that. Yeah. It's, I think it's really important. It's she, I've always had jobs. I've had decent jobs, but there've never been a passion of mine. Yeah. And it's something that's like, why not support someone's passion yeah. if it's, you know, if it's financially allowing us to do it. I don't have the ego of, I need to be the breadwinner. I need to do this. I need to do, the, do that. But yeah. I figure we can do so much more if we do it together. Yeah. It doesn't need to be one or the other. I don't need to hold on to a career that I wasn't that into anyways. Do you struggle with that now, like a little further down the chain? Do you find that it's hard to like maintain that when it's not your passion, when you're supporting someone else's? It's actually just become my passion. Yeah. So I, I do, I love the hair industry, but I really love business and just everything around business and the structure of it and just growth and kind of just getting out of our comfort zone. Yeah. So that's really become my passion, and um, so it's 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 a, it's a really important thing because I, I think we're awash in an industry of people that uh, get into the business aspect of what we do when they have no business skills, right? I mean, just because you're an amazing hairstylist really really doesn't equip you to be an amazing salon owner, right? And so having somebody that has that kind of business mindset, I mean, that's really invaluable, and that's a, an incredible team, you know what I mean? And and to see the two of you that, like like. If there's one word that I think can describe you perfectly, it's that you're a team. Oh my gosh, like that that is our standard. Like I would never have the drive like myself as a singular person. Like he is like feeding me charcoal to keep my engine going always. Like 
I would be in a, such a different circumstance. We are such. A <laughs> I'm sorry. I just got that metaphor of like you as a train and him shoveling coal. <laughs> like the train does not work without the charcoal and the coal guy. <laughs> it's just like it just doesn't. Jason Davis, professional yeah. coal guy. <laughs> so if you see me with a shovel, you guys will know what's going on. If he's covered in soot, it makes sense. I think we figured out next year's Halloween costume for sure. <laughs> And that's so cool. That's so cool. So, I mean, you feel very supported. That's that's helped you a lot. I mean, how important is it for you to have that support structure to be able to achieve what you want to do? It's just everything. I feel like, you know, so many people, you know, friends of mine that do what we do and are on the road on their own. Like, I have so much respect for that because I just don't know that I would be that motivated as the rest of my peers. Yeah. And that's what makes me feel so much um, gratitude to have a partner that is just like, okay, here's where you need to go. This is what time you need to be there. Here's your head. I'm going to screw it onto your shoulders so that you know exactly where you need to be. And it lets me enjoy what I do that much more because it takes all the mechanics off of my shoulders. Yeah. And I'm really so grateful for that. And it's just, I understand it's hard to be creative and be in that mindset but then also have to be structured and stick to a timeline and know where to go it's that's it's, it's, it's a exhausting lot. yeah it's a lot to balance and are you just naturally that way is that your brain no not at all oh, okay. <laughs> i'm like so not structured or not organized by any means but it's because <laughs> i was really hoping you could give me some advice on how to do it because honestly i'm a i'm a disaster all the time like, oh my gosh yeah to have to do all of it, I can't even imagine. But I think it's just because that's my focus. That's why I'm here, yeah. um, is to really focus on that. So it, it does make it easy, but it doesn't come natural. Do you guys find that you have challenges working together in close proximity that much volume of time? Like, do you ever get to the point where you're like, okay, um, get away from me? I'm sure Lo does all the time. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, it's, it's weird because we started so much as best friends. Yeah. And so there's kind of rare situations where I like need to introvert and like he needs to get his own space too. But I feel like every couple needs that. I don't think, I don't associate it with how much time we spend together because given that, like most people would just like want to kill each other. But we just, I don't know. Like we have like such a good energy. It's a, it's basically him. He puts up with me and like, I'm a nightmare terror and he just deals with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So just to put into context, there's a nightmare terror who was standing on stage yesterday who walks out and goes, hello, my little Tootsie Pops to everybody in the audience. And it's just like, you are just the most perfectly like adorably awkward person I've ever met in my life. And, and on stage, you are so yourself all the time. And it's really resonates because it's like exactly who's on stage is exactly who you talk to after the show and exactly who you run into in the hotel. It's like you're just so consistent, which I love. Oh, my God. Thank you. I feel that way about you. I, I honestly do. I just very much so would eat that energy with a spoon because it's just really good. So not to turn this into a couple's podcast, I mean, there's a couple's advice here, but I mean, like, is there things that you guys do that you, you find foster that relationship and keep those things really healthy? What do you think, babe? Um, yeah, we do a lot of like mindset work just individually. And I think that really helps us that just keeps us on the same like energy level. And if one of us is getting, you know, is down or is stressed, we usually are like, we can balance each other out. I wouldn't say there's anything that like we do on like a daily basis or like a ritual mm. by any means, but I think we're just really focused on our energy, our um, 
just our vibe for like throughout the day, just to make sure that if one of us is down, we're gonna help the we're gonna help each other out. Yeah. I think it's just mindfulness because you have to choose your battles because he's like not only my partner in life, he's my partner in business. And we have three businesses that all became out of these opportunities one at a time. You know, we have an educational business that is launched and just doing really great. And then we have an apron and apparel business that is like 100% him. Like, I've kind of been, like, the person to, like, so I'm like, oh, no, let's not do that anymore. And then he's like, no, like, I really love being an entrepreneur. I love doing this. And it's just something, like, we ha- we keep close in our heart. It's just, like, we have to pick our battles. We have to feed our energy and keep our frequency high because that's how you get things done. And I we both know that. And so if we're kind of, like sinking into like a little hole of emotions like we pull each other out because we identify those ahead of time I think that's amazing to have that I mean I think what a what a great asset that is you know and I I totally relate to you on the entrepreneurial thing I I know when we sat down at the bar the other night like we instantly uh, sink into that together you know like I mean because I started with aprons you know what I mean so maybe that's why we have such a like a kinship but um, but also I know we were talking just brainstorming ideas the other night for things and, and thinking about what market looked like and all. It's interesting. It's interesting to get into those things. And I think one of the things that we had talked about was um, how ideas are not the economy. It's the execution, right? And, and ability to execute on ideas. And somebody had said, oh, you know, all you really, to me yesterday, they had come up and been like, oh, you know, what was that one big thing that you did, that, that one thing that you do great that's your thing? And I've realized that building a brand, as much as you guys have realized adding lots of things on and and through the conversations we have, it's not about one big idea that you cash in on for life. It's your ability to have a great idea every other month and execute it. Oh, yeah. Right. It's not just having this bag full of ideas. It's it's the execution of it. So tell me about the businesses, the way that you guys have been executing, because I do see you at everything and I see you building your brand and I see the notoriety around you building and the energy around you guys building the momentum kind of thing, which is so great to see because it couldn't happen to more deserving and lovely people. But what what is that catalyst for you? Like that first thing that you guys started together? It definitely started with the salon. I needed a place to work and I basically picked up my whole clientele. We relocated. I was working out of an apartment that we still live in right now. And it's really quaint. It's on the, the coast um, in, in California, in Orange County. And we got to a level where I got evicted from my apartment because I had taken too many clients and they were like blocking in my neighbors and there's no beach parking. so. We decided, we're like, okay, this isn't working. Let's build a business. Let's open a salon. And he had all this construction background. So he's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to build out the salon. I'm going to manage it for you. And we're going to staff it and then move forward. And for me, this is like at like a really turning point for me because I was sharing a lot about, you know, just my work to bring in clients so that we have a livelihood. And it shifted, okay, like now to a point where what do I want to say to stylists because I want stylists to come work for me and like believe in the same things as I do so I think like that's where we just really started to make a shift and you know salon ownership is freaking hard like it is a beast it's a bear and you know you're you're artists dealing with other artists and we're temperamental and we're sensitive and 
we're could be flaky at times like there's so many elements to deal with artists and so I feel like that's bonded us so much closer because we are constantly mulling over like how to be good leaders yeah and be good partners in that process I feel like it's challenged us in a lot of ways. What do you think, babe? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I used to manage construction sites. Now I manage a team of artistic hairstyles. I'm dying to know what the differences that you see are. Oh, my gosh. It's, there, there's too many differences. But I really had to change how I, you know, yep. manage people or led people because it's, it's just such a different vibe. You really have to take people's emotions into, you know, accounts. And on a construction site, you can cuss somebody out and, you know, then... <laughs> Yeah, go grab lunch after, you know, sure. no, no big deal. But dealing with, you know, uh, hairstylists and just uh, we're a staff of all women. Um, and it, it's just a very different way to go about things. So that really built up my patience, which I think is something that's just helped us in our relationship and just our leadership and everything that moves forward. Mm -hmm. Just kind of seeing, you know, both sides of everything. So with all of our team, like evolving and shifting and turning over and stuff we started to really notice like what our girls wanted to say about themselves with like their apron or their aesthetic or their style or you know and in turn why do they work for us is it our aesthetic our style and so that started us um, producing denim aprons so then that started that and then we started brainstorming and branding and going forward with that and it just kind of took on its own thing and people really like it, so why not do it? Yeah, and Lo loves branding. Let's say if she wasn't doing hair, she would probably work for a marketing firm or have her own marketing firm. Um, she just loves putting images together. She's constantly on her phone and constantly creating some type of imagery or video or something like that. And she just really, it clicks in her mind. Things just line up for her. She can really visualize what it's going to look like and what, what she wants it to be. So her building the brands and the voice and what the brand really stands for is something that she's just really good at but I can tell that she's really passionate about it so it's cool to have something like an actual tangible item to sell um, that could be branded so when we talk about the brand what is the brand specifically yeah is everything built around you your name or is everything kind of are you giving independent little projects their name is everything under one banner what what do you do with it I try to separate myself as much as possible from my brand. That's the hard part. It really is the hard part. It's just, to me, I think, like, when people associate themselves and their feeling with a brand or a favorite company or whatever, it's really a self-reflection. And so I don't want people to, like, try to be me or something because, number one, no one can be anyone else. Comparison is a killer of joy. Yep. And... Honestly, I don't think I'm that great. <laughs> so it's like when I build anything from a concept up, I start with like what feeling do I want to have and what feeling do I want to share with others? It's yeah. not really about me. It's about that feeling and sharing that feeling with people. So um, I love the whole concept about building your worth as a hairstylist and, you know, being able to express that you are up leveling your craft constantly and so this concept i put into my education it's called luxury hairstylist and then i put into salon culture which is our evolving brand of apparel and i just kind of really really love that people can 
say, I'm bougie as hell, I'm equipped, I'm ready, I'm gonna charge my worth on this, and this is what I wanna share with the world in an instant. And so, to me, that means everything because there's artists that are so high in demand and they don't have the confidence to charge their going worth. And they stay in a cycle and then they lose their joy. Or, you know, and then there's other artists that don't position themselves to where they get enough practice to become masters in order to charge what they're charging so they price themselves out. So in that way, like with my education, I try to basically cater to the idea of helping people to really meet themselves where they're at and raise their worth. Now, this is something I talk about a lot with people in my classes because I feel like in a new uh, re-emerging barbering community that I'm a part of, I mean, you, you guys are very much entrenched in hairdressing and I know that those communities still see themselves as a little bit separate. And, and barbering has become this explosive new thing again. Um, the, there's a lot of buzzwords around these days in the industry, like the know your worth seems to be a big one. Mm-hmm. And I, this is a thing I honestly struggle with, so I wouldn't mind kind of hashing that out with you because this is something you focus on a lot. But I've always felt like worth, um, when it comes to services that we provide, I mean, like, isn't so much a function of your talent mm-hmm. or a function of your education or how much money you've spent to become a hairstylist or barber, uh, it's really a function of your time. Mm-hmm. It, it really, I, I mean, it's a scarcity model. I think of time as a commodity for a hairstylist, and the more of it you have, the less it's valuable, and the less of it you have, the more it's valuable. Yeah. And so when it comes to knowing your worth, I've seen a lot of young stylists come with a whole bunch of fire in their belly, going, oh, I've listened to this podcast, I've, I've, you know, I've been following this person, I know my worth, and I'm like, you don't, you're not worth more because you follow someone else online who's telling you you're worth more. You don't, mm-hmm. you're don't. you not worth more because you listen to podcasts or read books. You're worth more because you don't have time. Mm-hmm. And and so for me, that's how I've based mine. Because truth be told, I mean, like, what, what you and I were on stage yesterday in front of, what, 800 people? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's a big thing and we're there and everybody treats us like we're weird celebrities and stuff mm-hmm. like that. They don't know that I'm going to go home tomorrow and get behind my chair at my barbershop and charge somebody $30 for a haircut. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because truth is, is in my town, to me, that's really all a haircut's worth, no matter who it's with. You know what I mean? For a guy. And so I have a little bit of a weird relationship with that whole thing. I, I look at my other opportunities to create, uh, you know, satisfaction and, and, and success for myself beyond just having like a high ticket price. You know what I mean? So what, what, what is your thoughts on that whole uh, assessing your worth as a stylist? Because you, you have a whole program around it, which I think is so, so necessary and awesome. I know that no one's talking about it. They're saying, they're hinting around it, but what does it even mean? Yeah. And so I feel really passionate about it because, you know, as an artist, I've developed and shifted my concept, my brand, my worth, and I've made those leaps and bounds and like crawled up the mountain to see the view right and like you were saying about you know new stylists graduating wanting to charge top dollar wanting to be influencers out the gate like that's a great goal and I think that's really positive the business behind that the reality behind that is that people have a standard right your clients have a standard you have the elements of like what are those services going for in your demographic and then what's your execution 
because like you said even earlier with like branding and businesses it's your ability to execute that is the starting point of your worth and then your time is a variable because if you're able to execute so many things then your retention and your demand are going to be there and when your retention and demand are so solid and consistent then you start jacking up your prices if you don't have any requests no demand you're inconsistent and then you just say like okay i only want to do two days of work that doesn't mean that you're in demand so much that you only have two time slots available yeah yeah it's like the scarcity model where oh look we sold out you brought five things mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's yes. easy to sell out when you're selling five items so it's true yeah it is it is a thing where you have to be realistic about the business end of those things and when you're getting into this the understanding that there will be sacrifice you know i i've, I've found one of the biggest challenges for me is that um it, especially as salon owners that maybe we can talk about is when we see new people coming into the industry and we see uh we see them all full of hoods but knowing their worth and ego and confidence and things and they're not all bad things those like the 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 idea of being uh, you know having aspirations and, and really being excited about your career that's great that's great stuff but the understanding that your skill set is probably if you're coming out of hair school not anywhere where it needs to be to be in the the stratosphere that you're trying to put yourself in and that is going to require to get up there a little bit of sacrifice and and I think the thing that I like to see with my own stylists is I need to see them invest in bettering themselves and if they're not the way that I invest in bettering them because I spend time and money training we offer everything that we possibly can to get them where they want to be or where I feel they need to be to be representing our shop and the amount of sacrifice that some people are willing to make is is well beneath I think at this point you know what I mean it's, it's really funny I mean even just in the sense of owning a business where people are coming in going, well, I, not just I know my worth, but I know my rights is my favorite one. I know my rights. I know what I know what you're legally bound to do. The problem with it is, is that people come in and they know their rights, but they don't know your rights as a salon owner. They think we have none. They think there's no, you know, there's no recourse that, that we're not allowed to build the environment that we want to see and build the team that we want to be around and, and have those kinds of things. They think we're handcuffed. As soon as you walk in the door, we're, we, we owe you a job, you know? And so when it comes to building those, those people and getting them up to that level, how do you guys tackle that in your shop? Because I know you went from being little to exploding out to now what, you have like a 10, 20 chair situation coming up? Yeah, so we, we have 12 chairs, we have 14 stylists, um, and we're working it out now, but we might be expanding. So, wow. which could probably bring us up to about 20 chairs. That's a lot of chairs, man. That's a lot to manage. Yeah, it's terrifying. To think <laughs> <laughs> are you kind of, are you half excited about that proposition though? Or is that just scary? No, I'm, I am excited. It's just, I, we've kind of been in a comfort zone with our salon because we've been focusing on other things. So yeah. it's like, okay, this is what we need to push us out of that comfort zone. Have us really refocus on our brand and you know what the salon means to us and just kind of get re-excited about it mm-hmm. for sure so what's how do you tackle that with the team building scenario though for yourself okay it's really really difficult because i am a perfectionist and i like control i'm a control freak 
And you know, salon ownership is really hard for people like me and you, to be honest, because I see a lot of that in you because you're had, so good at what you do. I have to let go a lot of things. You know what I mean? I find that you have to like- Frozen, pick, let it go. Well, it's like picking your battles. <laughs> like you were saying earlier, you need to pick those battles. You can't just oh like, God. you can't nitpick at everything, but, but please continue. Uh, so I've had a lot of turnover. Like I've lost a lot of people just based <laughs> off of expectations. Like, either their expectations are too high of me, and they want me to, like, stop doing out-of-salon things because I owe it to them to be there. Okay. And so that's happened. And then I've lost people that my expectations of them were, like, high, you know? And what I mean by that is, like, I'm such a go-getter, and to me, like, that's how I think the world should be. And I've had to, like, reel myself back in, and I'm, like coming to facing the reality like hey it's okay if people only want to work part-time and enjoy their family and not be this crazy thing you know and so (laughs) I think there's a universal drive I was talking uh, earlier to another friend of ours Brianna who's down here Brianna Cisneros and I I think the reason we all get along with each other is because we are all that same kind of psycho uh, you know what I mean? We're yeah. like, there's that drive that we have that, uh, all universally that we're doing everything, everything, and, and to our own detriment, you know, to our own uh, families and partners and, and all of those other things. It's a, it's a phenomenal amount of, you know, destruction that we cause in our own lives to, to because we can't seem to stop, you know, because there's this drive. What is that drive for you? What is that ambition like? Oh my gosh, that's a good, great question. I just feel like yeah, it's like a gold digger kind of obsession. I I get a lot of validation in the things that I'm able to achieve. And to me, like my pride comes from my achievements. I 100% like feel that. I'm 100% that way. It's like not like okay, my mom can hug me and validate me. It's my achievements that validate me. Yeah. It was at this point that a very nice, albeit stern, and cowboy-suited gentleman came up to us and asked us to vacate the premises. Uh, Turns out that the management had decided that we were not allowed to record our podcast out on the balcony uh, in front of everyone, so we moved indoors. And uh, this gives us a chance to have a quick little break and allows me to talk to you guys about something that I haven't really uh, been doing with the podcast thus far that I've been kind of trying to avoid, uh, and that's marketing. So what I want to share with you guys is that I've been really enjoying doing this podcast and the feedback's been amazing. And honestly, all of the people that have been listening, we just we just crossed over 35,000 listens at this point, which is absolutely remarkable to me. And it makes me very, very proud to know that people are out there listening to the podcast and sharing it with their friends. And so uh, I'm not looking to sell anything to anybody. I really love that we're able to provide this kind of information for free. We're able to just share these conversations with you guys at no cost to you. But if you were interested in supporting, if you wanted to support this podcast and wanted to support me going around and getting to talk to these people, there's a really, really great way that you can do it. And that's by going and supporting Victory Brand Products. For those of you that don't know, Victory Brand Products is the product line that I started myself. It was a love letter to my grandfather and the generation of guys that knew that good grooming was an important and essential part of life. Over the last couple of years, we've been able to develop some of the best men's grooming products on the planet. 
If you head on over to www.victorybarber.com, you'll be able to find all of the products that you can purchase. There's ways that you can sign up to be a stockist if you are a shop owner. If you are a licensed professional, we also have a professional partner program for you. So you can come and check those products out. Give them, give them some feedback. Give them the pest through. We've got rave reviews on it. We're expanding all over the globe, and it's really, really exciting stuff. And I would love for you to be a part of what we're doing. Now, let's get back to the podcast with Low Wheeler Davis and Jason Davis. Now that we've moved inside, where it's going to be a little bit quieter, a little bit more intimate, and we can get into the real nitty gritty. All right. So what we were talking about, we were talking about um, the idea of um, validation. Right. And then validation is a tricky thing in this industry these days, uh, because I think a lot of people look for it in a lot of different places and look for it from sometimes, um, you know, from from a senior figure. Uh, you know, sometimes they look at it from uh, just their peers. Uh, you know, the social media thing is, of course, become the place where most people are, are looking for that validation now. But you were saying that you you validate yourself through your accomplishments. Like those are the things that give you validation. And that's very much what I'm like, too. I I. I always look at the things that I have done today. I don't, I'm not good at looking at the history of things that I've done. I, as far as I'm concerned, those have all disappeared. It's, it's really like, what, what have I done today or what am I doing next week? You know? So how do you manage that? Um, I'm like Michael Scott. Somehow I manage book by low Wheeler. Um, (laughs) honestly, I feel like you know, going back into salon ownership, it's just like my expectations. And um, that's what I really have to manage is what I expect of myself versus other people. Because a lot of times we lose sight of that. I'm just as much of an individual as anyone that I have in my life at any capacity. So I learned the, the hard way with salon ownership, just because I think I'm very clear about what I have to offer in a salon doesn't mean that anyone that works for me is going to see that and embrace that as their driving force or momentum. So when you have a salon brand like yours, which is a very strong brand and like I brand my salon, I tried to, I feel like it just brings in um, all kinds of people because we have a really big, uh, a, a really big net to cast right Mm -hmm. so I felt in the beginning with my salon I'm like okay if they're gonna want to work for me they're gonna want the same things that I want because there's a billion salons to go to Mm -hmm. so whoever lands in my salon is gonna have the same priorities the same work ethic the same everything because I'm putting it out there yeah but that's not the case Mm -hmm. and so I've learned that over trial and error and like having turnover in my salon so now I don't have a type of individual that I hire. Mm-hmm. I hire based off of unique skill sets and I feel like that serves me. And when I do bring in people to my salon, I do a whole branded PowerPoint. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like intense. It's like freaking four hours. You have an intake process. Yeah. It's our handbook and it's our standards and it's our philosophies and Basically now. And do you go through it with them like right there? Yes. Wow. So not when I like hire them on. I, I don't make them like sit then, there, then and there. But I schedule it because if I have one person within six months that joins, I will wait for a second or third. I like doing these trainings in groups. Okay. Because if I don't think that they can handle being a business on their own within that time, it's not a fit anyway. Right. So I have them like once or twice a year Mm -hmm. 
and then I bring them all in on a day off. I have food. We journal. I ask them what their vision is for success. And then I show them all these PowerPoint slides about our standards Mm -hmm. because really they're their own brand underneath my brand. And so we have to align as like sister brands. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I feel is important for me because I'm, again, a control freak and I like want to be aligned in my life Mm -hmm. and with the people in my life. But I've picked pick and choose battles, too. Like I stopped making decisions without asking them a bunch of survey questions at this point in my ownership Mm -hmm. because before when I went wrong was where I thought I knew everything and I thought that okay like based on the behavior the general vibe in the salon like this is has to be what you want so here it is Mm -hmm. without formally asking and so now I just I take my people and I let them know where I'm at at all times and then before making any decisions as a leader I ask for tons of feedback Mm -hmm. and then I come back and like make a decision. It it can be tough to run things as a democracy though, can't it? Because I mean, it isn't a true democracy. It's easy to be, it's easy to have an opinion when you have no skin in the game, you know, and and when your name is on the door and when you are paying the bills and when there is, you know, an enormous amount of your own personal credibility at stake. Um, it can be really hard to run things as a p- kind of a pluralistic, de- you know, democracy in, in a business setting. Is that, do you feel that way, Jason? Oh yeah, for sure. And we're, it's a little bit more unique for us too, cause we're a rental structure. So legally we can't be in full control because everybody basically does run their own individual businesses, mm-hmm. but it's still a standard clients that come in, don't know what the structure is. They don't realize that they just pay us a rent and that's it. They want to see cohesion. They want to see it run like a business. I mean, that's really the, the challenge of renting too. That, that, that's where some of the, the hardship can come from in the idea of maintaining a standard when you're renting because you're right, clients to the outward appearance, all they see is a business, a business owner and a name on the door. And I mean, it's your reputation on the line, much more so. I've, I've found historically when it comes to people giving reviews for businesses or things like that, um, you know, they'll, they'll praise you one by one, but they'll hang you all together. You know, if they have a bad experience in your shop, it happened at your shop, not with that operator. Oh yeah, absolutely. For right. sure. Yeah. So not, so that's why we really low has that amazing PowerPoint that she goes through and everything, because really we're hiring on another business. Like she said, it's, we need to be sister brands. We need to, you know, yeah. meld together and they need to have the same qualities and same standards that we do. Yeah. Or else it's just, it's never going to work. Much, much like other businesses would do it like a collaboration, right? You get two brands that like have a similar kind of value to each other and they do a project together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's actually a really good way to look at it, I think. Yeah. And it's, I kind of look at it as, I mean, a mall or, you know, there's these like kind of hip or like food courts that come up and it's individual, you know, food vendors, mm-hmm. but it's they pick based off of the quality and the aesthetic and what the offering is. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to throw in a random fast food place because they're trying to be an elevated situation. So we're, I kind of look at it that way. Yeah, like a well. food, like a food court. Yeah, for sure. Like a fa- hey, welcome, welcome to Low Wheeler Davis Salon. It's a fancy food court. <laughs> yeah. I love that idea, though. I think it's a really healthy way to look at it. Uh, you know what I mean? Because you're right; they're not employees. But is, 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 does that present challenges of its own, though? That they are not pl- employees. What are some of the challenges you run into there? Because there may be some people listening to this, I think, that are weighing the whether or not they want to go with a, a rental model. What were some of the the things that you've run into? Yeah, it's. I'm trying to think, what would you say would be like our biggest challenge with that? 
I think not being in control and having little, you know, little things that, again, we have to pick and choose our battles. Mm -hmm. But what do you think, Lo? Honestly, there's a lot of benefits from being a rental salon because you're, you know, not really responsible for anyone's growth. They're their own business through and through with their own policies and their own execution. So at this point in my career, I think it's just like wonderful to be able to guide people without like doing it for them Yeah. versus commission. You really are responsible for their growth. If they're not booked, like you're not doing your job as an owner. Yeah. So, um, being, you know, both in the past five years, I really am seeing so much positivity in rental. And again, it's just the, the drawbacks is just full total control. Like, but I'm learning to get my, you know, my passion out and my validation through other projects. It's no longer just a salon that I'm like, okay, this is my prized showcase piece. And this is what people know me for. Like I've kind of adjusted what I want to be known for. And it's like my blonding techniques and my education and like who I am. And that's now separate for me mentally than my salon brand. Yeah. Whereas I really love your brand and aesthetic and like want to pick your brain because you have multiple locations. Like I'm not at a place where I'm like ready to commit to multiple locations and the brand has to translate like on a different level when it's multiple. Right. Honestly, there's uh, there's so many uh, pluses uh, and minuses, you know, like like most things is anything you add will also take away. You know, and, and that's the big thing. When we were talking uh, about your expansion, uh, Jason, we were, we were talking about the idea of like, do you expand to a bigger size shop or do you get a second shop? And the, the overhead increase with a second shop, not only that, but the staffing, the management, the, the organization required to run a second shop as opposed to just expanding your existing shop is exponentially larger. You know, everything costs more. Uh, it doubles your overhead. It doubles your manpower uh, requirements and things. Adding, adding extra chairs doesn't necessarily have that same effect. Uh, so it, it can be a really interesting thing. But I think the big thing is understanding, like, what is it that you need? to feel successful? What is it that you need to, to really um, feel like you're doing the job or, or realizing the dream that you have um, rather than trying to appear outwardly successful? Because the truth is, is despite the, the rather relative size of the empire that seems to be growing beneath me, my lifestyle, income, and all those other things haven't changed. You know, I might be traveling around everywhere and doing shows and have all these shops and employ all these people and have a brand of my own. My income has not changed one bit. The the responsibilities have just grown extraordinarily. And and so, I mean, it, it, it is a thing that when you add stuff, um, other stuff disappears. You know, your life is a... If you look at your life and all the time you have is a pie, you know what I mean? You can cut that pie into as many pieces as you want. You can have 600 pieces of pie but it's all the same size pie and the pieces are just going to be real small, you know, for each other. So every piece you add takes away room for something else. And so it's, it's about being smart about those things. I think, you know, it's about really making a, a, a well thought out decision and understanding that any decision that you say yes to means that you say no to something else or that there is a sacrifice involved. And I think everybody wants to have everything with no sacrifice. And unfortunately that's just not reality because every yes means another no. You know, and, and I, you and I are those people that say yes to everything, right? We say yes to every show. We say yes to every um, event. We say yes to everything we possibly can until there's very little else left, right? I just blacked out. 
That was really good. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's it's just a thing that I think about a lot because I mean it is hard to own shops. You know, it is hard to do this because we're. I still feel like a kid, you know, I still feel very ill-equipped to do any of this. And I'm fortunate to be surrounded by amazing people. I mean, I, I, I have amazing people that have helped me achieve all of this kind of stuff. And they, they deserve well more recognition than they get. And, uh, and I mean, the, to see the two of you guys do this together is, is so admirable to have that teamwork thing. But I think for me, it, it is that sense of accomplishment, right? That, that's what drives it. It's that sense of validation from what I've been able to pull off or achieve. You know what I mean? So how do you express that for yourself? Because, I mean, we're the same that way. So what's that validation model, like, do for you? What, do you, what is it that you're trying to, um, not, not what is it you're trying to do, but I'm, I think what I'm trying to say is what do you, um, what, what gives you that? What, what accomplishments give you that feeling of, like, oh, I did that? That is the hardest thing to figure out. I don't know if there's, like, a really clear answer to that. Something that I like to think about that's grounding for me because it's easy to get overwhelmed um, is the thought of where do I want to be in like five years and really focusing on that moment and working backwards to today. That helps me to really pick and choose where I'm going to use my energy because I am the yes person. Like my whole last five years, I'm showing up to every possible opportunity, even when I'm tired, even if I'm sad, even if I have a lot going on. Like it's just such a priority to me to like really, really just further myself and grow myself and go through those like pains. You know, it'd be way easier to just stay home or you know, leave halfway or whatever. But I'm just like always a person to just put those things aside for the growth. And now that I feel really happy in our growth and what we're doing, now I have to focus on clarity. So I am in a transitional phase of like developing as an artist, developing as a speaker, and really now just trying to understand at the end of the day, what is it that I want it to become? Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to have a rat race of like saying yes and, you know, letting my life start to run me. Yeah. There has to be some kind of intention at the end of it. And so like more of a, what do you want your life to look like? Exactly. What experiences do I want to have? Like, because if you don't really take that into account at some point, Mm -hmm. Before you know it, you're just going to be burnt out. And like, I do not want to burn myself out. And I think it's really sad when artists do that because they just keep going, keep going and say yes to everything. So I see the benefit in Mm. how that has served me in the past. And now I'm really starting to calculate how many yeses do I have to give this year versus next year and so on. One of the conversations we had with Buddy Porter was about the value of saying no, of mm-hmm. learning to be discerning, right? And, and how that actually escalated the value of his own personal brand. You know, you, you, you say yes, 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 until it's time to say no. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's a hard thing to figure out when it is that time, right? Because you, you don't want to turn people down. You don't want to let people down, you know? And, and that's a big one. I feel like the, you get that feeling that everyone's kind of relying on you for certain things and there's a pressure to that but there is a point at which you do have to start saying no isn't there absolutely and I'm just starting to like walk on that ice you know like where what what is that what does that look like 
I got an opportunity to speak at a trade show and this has been a trade show that has supported me to this point and like I just said no to it and it was really like a burden off of me because I felt like you know this served me and it's not it's kind of like had its place in my life and now moving forward I don't really need to have that and so it took a a few days to figure it out but I'm happy with the decision yeah and that's like growth for me right so I think you just have to really just figure out like what is your path of growth maybe you need to say yes Mm -hmm. to grow um and it's really breaking out of rigidness um, and you need to say yes to grow right now at this point in my life, I'm starting to say no to grow. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, you know, really just growth has to be a manageable thing yes. because otherwise it just keeps growing and growing until it's too big for you to actually manage. And that's a thing. That's a real thing. There needs to be structure there. And I think that's probably what Jason brings in, right? Like having that five-year plan, you know, the idea of like what the next five years looks like and as far as lifestyle for you. Do you guys feel like you, are you face are you chasing success or are you chasing fulfillment at this point? Oh, that's a great question. Um, at this point, I think we're in more of the fulfillment phase because we've always been trying to chase success and get to the get to the next thing and have this idea in our mind of what we get out of it. And it becomes a bit of a treadmill, doesn't it? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, and it comes, becomes kind of like a an addiction. Yeah, you know? like you really like you're just chasing the dragon to like that next you know successful phase yeah but now we're stepping back we're like okay let's just really focus in on what we're doing and start doing it better and not add more and more onto it but just make it better make it more polished and kind of that self-reflection of how how is that going to shape out our lives yeah. What do we want? Where do we want to live? What do we want to do? What type of trips do we want to take for each other? And just kind of shape it around that. So kind of focusing on that five-year plan, be like, okay, this is what we want. Yeah. And in order to do that, let's shape our our work and our everything we're doing to reach those goals. Yeah, I think that's big. Because, I mean, when, when it comes time to saying no, I feel like no is very much about uh, making time for yourself to, to find your fulfillment. You know what I mean? I think no is very much tied to fulfillment because instead of just always yes, 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 which is success, right? Um, Fulfillment is often about those boundaries that we make, you know what I mean? And and what we're willing to do and what we're not willing to do anymore. You know, those are, those are a big one. But when you're the business side of things uh, or when you're a partnership, you know, it can be really tough if you're not on the same page and both chasing that fulfillment and one is chasing success and the other is chasing fulfillment. Those can disconnect very quickly. Totally. We catch ourselves in that sometimes because you know, I'll see the money opportunity in something and be like, well, if we do this, it like, you know, it could kind of change this or we can use that money for that. But it's really protecting, you know, energies. And like you said, at that point, looking for more fulfillment and not just success, not just doing one thing at a time to make a buck, but really seeing the bigger picture. Yeah. That goals. Where do you, where do you find your, where, what is your five-year plan? Where's the next five years going to take you guys? Are, am I going to keep seeing you at all the hair shows? Cause I mean, on a, on a, you know, a purely selfish level, I really like seeing you at all the hair shows. <laughs> like I like hanging out with you guys. So it's like, you know, I, I want to see like you still. Definitely. I'm committed for five years to, I'm definitely committed for five years to being accessible to 
like hairstylists in general because I feel like it's so such a privilege and it's such an honor and it's so fun and like we started this conversation like Jason and I are a package deal that's our standard like I really enjoy and have so much gratitude like walking around this amazing city of Nashville I look at our our life and I'm like wow we get this is so awesome this is somebody's vacation and i get to do my artistry here and i get to share it with others and then i get validation so it's so wonderful and i couldn't have dreamt up a better way to spend this time in my life so i feel like that's going to definitely be the theme of the next five years Mm -hmm. and um i just know that the rat race that we get into is like when we get passion over a concept we always think like how do I scale it? Yeah. How do I take this one passionate idea and like make it go huge? But I'm seeing the value and just saying like, no, nothing needs to be scaled. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of people to do a lot of amazing things. I don't need to have the responsibility just because I have a platform to scale crap, you know, like, and so that's a conversation I've been having <laughs> with myself mm-hmm. all the time because, you know, with the salon and the education and whatever we're doing, I'm just like, how do we scale it? How do we go to the next level? And no, I need to calm down and just go get a massage or something. Because do you think there's a weird concept around the idea of levels that we've created for ourselves? Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I think that we always look at industry as a ladder. We need to have something to be ambitious towards. And it always seems to be what we consider to be upward. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea that, well, if we get to this level, things will be better. Mm-hmm. This level of where everything is just more easy and successful and there's more money in the, that next level. And it, the longer I've been in this thing, the longer I've learned that there's really no such thing. You know, like it's not a it's not a ladder. It's just a whole bunch of different camps and different directions. It's more like sitting at crossroads constantly over and over and over. You know what I mean? You're, you're not going to pick one that's better than the other. It's just going to be different, you know, and, and it's almost like, um, you know, if we're sitting at this hotel and we want to get down to downtown Nashville on Broadway, there's probably 15 different routes we could take. None of them is necessarily better. You know what I mean? One might get you there faster. One might be a little more scenic. One might take you, you know, past a few more honky tonk bars that you want to go check out. But it's just it's one of those things where it's not a a better scenario. Do you know what I mean? It's like you can find success and fulfillment at any perceived level that you're at. You know what I mean? It's just that idea of what are you willing to accept as this is how much I'm willing to put in and this is how much I need to have for myself and this is what my life needs to look like. So I love the idea of having that more of a five-year plan for your holistic existence, I suppose, you know, rather than where's my career going to be, where's my career going to be. And from a business standpoint, even getting to that point where is there enough? You know what I mean? Do you get to a point where there's enough? Do you need to expand into a bigger shop? Do you need to have another shop? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's the thing that we always try to edit ourselves because, again, we're passionate about it. We love it. It's something that, you know, it excites us. So we're like, all right, let's just do it. Let's go for it. Like, don't think twice about it. But then when we do start to think about it, we're like, well, why? Does yeah. this get us to our goal? Does this hinder us? Does this slow down our, our growth? Yeah. Because um, we can become so obsessed with that, right? That, uh, that idea of growth to, to validate ourselves. For sure. And uh, that's you mentioning, oh, when, once we're at this level, we can do this. That's something that we say and I say to myself all the time. Yeah. So I'm going to keep listening back to that. <laughs> that <laughs> what you just said oh, but, just to kind of keep me grounded. I feel like we've had like a real mutual therapy session here, which is sure. <laughs> really, it's great. I actually, this is why I love doing podcasts though. I love because the conversations we have, like these are things we'd have with a microphone or not. 
you know, we, we are just those people that like to connect with other human beings and really we, we go a little deep, you know what For I mean? Because sure. there's such a small pool of us that see each other at these things that I think kind of understand what each other are going through. In, in, in essence, you know what I mean? When we're, when we're struggling with the artistry side of things and the business side of things and balancing out lifestyle and being present and being available to hairstylists and, you know, the weight of responsibility we feel. There's, it, there's so much um, uniformity in that, that artist group that we know um, that I find it really fascinating to maybe just even for myself just because I, I feel such a kindred connection to those other people that get it because I feel like back home, when you go home in, in, in other groups of people and other friend groups, I mean, like they just they really don't know, you know what any of this is like. You know, do you struggle with that at home? Like, do you feel isolated a bit? Oh, my gosh. It's very lonely because some of our best friends that we've had, like outside of the industry, it's it's nice because we get relief. We don't have to talk about hair stuff. Yeah. But then there's nothing to talk about because that's our whole life. It's our whole passion. It's what we think about nonstop. It's so consuming. then. Yeah. then those conversations become meaningless or superficial yeah. with our like best friends and like closest loved ones. And then, you know, we can come to an event where we basically run into people with the same exact lives and we don't have a long history. Like, I don't know what your favorite food is or favorite color is, but I feel so connected to what your path is and what you stand for, because that's where my brain is 24 seven. Yeah. And that's dominates Jason and I's conversation. And I think like, that's just the weirdest part about <laughs> being so fully invested and fully immersed in what you do. Yeah. It is, it's lonely. It's isolating because these events w that bring us artists together on this level, it's like a few times a year. Yeah. You know, so it's like you see your besties a few times a year and yeah. then you're isolated the rest of the time. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's a hard, it's a struggle. And the things that like my goals for, five years <laughs> going back to that is like I need to do things for me that are like free yeah and um like whether it's a picnic or paint something like it needs to like not have like a money exchange or a insight mm -hmm. or any like kind of measurement attached to it yeah and I'm learning that and that's something like I know we've discussed as a couple like that we need to have that time to like really like almost go into a meditative state, whether it's like sculpting a piece of pottery or just walking on a beach trail somewhere. It just needs to be like that release of like not thinking of your potential or what's your, what people expect of you is yeah. another thing. Um, just, I need a hobby, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, I totally, I feel you, man. I really do. I, it's a hundred, I, I get that so, so much. It's funny because I, I am one of those annoying people that has turned almost all of his hobbies into uh, parts of his job, parts mm -hmm. of his, you know, like photography for me was mm -hmm. a hobby at one point, but now it's become like just such a backbone of what we do, you know, and, 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 you know, design and, and things like that, just stuff I just used to like to do for fun, but now has become like a full-time job and part of building our brand, you know, and so... Yeah, you cling to those things that are for nothing, you know. But equally, one of the things I really love that I find I do to keep grounded is um, is the stuff I do for free or the stuff that I do that is free of the pretense of what we've become. I, I go back home. I sit in a, a barbershop that's in two chairs in the back of a bar. 
and I'm just somebody's barber. I'm not. I'm not a regular guy. They're not people coming and going. Oh, are you Maddie Conrad? They're just like, um, is my is a regular barber not here today? You know, <laughs> and they're almost disappointed. And I'm, but I'm, I think that's so great. Like just being able to go back to the very basics of what it is, without any of the pretense. And it's hard to do when you've built a brand around yourself. You know what I mean? For for you and your shop and. You know, for for a lot of people, I think that that have become known for what they do, it's hard to to shed that. And I'm very fortunate to have that. And even the moments that I I value the most at these shows are the moments where I get to have a, a really solid human moment with somebody. Um, I, I remember at the BTC show where where um, Mary, who puts on that show, her cousin David was there, and he he has a lot of developmental disabilities and is very you know challenge has a lot of challenges. And I just took uh, some time to just hang out with him and cut his hair because he was going to a wedding and wanted to feel handsome. And and a, p- a couple other people had said no or something, and I was just like, well, why don't we just find a quiet place and I'll just go do that. And for me, it was like I didn't want to post it or tell anybody, but it was just like this is the roots for me, and I feel like I. I'm constantly trying to dig back down into the roots at this mm-hmm. point because all of the stuff that's grown up around us, y- you know, it's it can get really distracting from that. Mm-hmm. And and I think that if we're able to ground ourselves by digging into those roots or whatever your roots may be, for some people, for, for me, it's hair. I mean, I really genuinely love just cutting hair. Um, for some people, they need to be outside. They need to be in nature. They need to do all these other grounding things. But I think as long as people are seeking those out actively because they're not going to come find you right you have to find them you have to go after them and you have to look for those opportunities to grab them every chance you can because a lot of the rest of this stuff is built to distract and to make you know someone else money or someone else you know notoriety whatever it is people want to attach everything they possibly can to your own success so trying to find that realness in it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so anyway (laughs) <laughs> this like therapy session just Jeez, like my armpits are sweating i <laughs> don't know what to do with myself i kind of blacked out a little bit just because it's so good I, i'm glad we get to share like this i'm glad we get to sit and connect i've had a great time hanging out with you guys today um it, let people know online where they can follow you where your shop is like give me all the connection details for people that want to get to know you guys a little better Amazing. Um, I'm found on Instagram. My haircraft is low underscore Wheeler Davis. Our salon is uh, Wheeler Davis underscore salon. Our salon apparel is salon underscore culture. And my private coaching is luxury hairstylist. All right. You guys are just the cutest people ever. And I, I really had a great time talking to you, Jason. Thanks a lot for joining us today, man. It's been so awesome to get you in on this thing, too, because I feel like you guys are really are a package deal, man. Yeah, no, this is super fun. This is I've never been on a podcast before. I'm usually <laughs> on the, the sidelines watching in. So <laughs> you did really good. Oh, you, did you. Re- <laughs> you did really good. I think people at home are going to really enjoy that. And anyway, you guys, this has been my conversation with uh, Low Wheeler Davis and Jason Davis. Uh, We had a really great time today. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I will see you guys next week on Whiskey Tango Foxtrot.